My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors. It is my honor to be able to share the scriptures with you today and to talk to you today. Uh, Pastor Scott just got back from vacation. We thought that maybe he could be allowed to like be on vacation and not write a sermon while he was out there. So I am so glad uh, to be talking with you today. I had six different sermons this week. It was a hot mess. And I will just say the 9 o'clock service, they were accusing me of preaching all six of them. So I'm going to try really hard to get it done today, okay? Uh, but I'm going to talk about some of that. This was at the bottom of the pile because I don't want to talk about this one. It's not fun for me to talk about this because it doesn't make me feel like great, okay? Because it's one of those things where I have to kind of, mm, I had to do a lot of mirror looking this week. And it's just... You know, I don't know what your situation is in the mirror, but like when I post things on Facebook or Instagram, like I know exactly how to hold the camera just right to get the jawline to reform, okay? And then I use the Facetune app, $3, and then I can like just take out my teeth, get perfectly white. People have been like, your teeth look amazing. I'm smoke mirrors, baby. Like I just know how to make some of that work. And uh, this, this, this mirror was like, you know, the bad angle. You ever accidentally turn the front camera on your phone and, like, you're looking down and you're like, oh, no, Jabba, away with you. Like, it's, like it's bad. And that's kind of what this sermon has been doing to me. And um, I'll tell you that I wanted to preach to you on integrity. And I started doing research on integrity. And a pastor out of Atlanta named Andy Stanley did a sermon last week on integrity that was so good. I started stealing from Andy Stanley. And I feel like if I tell you that there are a variety of things that I took from him up front, you'll be okay and you'll hang with me for a bit at least. And then there is going to be a point during the message where you're going to do exactly what I do when Pastor Scott starts talking, look for any excuse possible to not let him be talking to me. Where I am just looking for it like that's not totally me. Oh, no, I've got this solved. You guys listen to this. I'm going to go hang out in the volunteer hub and drink coffee and eat Pop-Tarts because it's not talking to me, which means I'm probably going to be talking to you today. And I'm just, I'm with you. Hang in there, baby. Dear Jesus, please help us today to hear from you. I want to be like you. May they not hear from me today. Oh, God, we want you. And it's in your, your name we pray. Amen. I have a question for you today that I wanted to break into pieces to make it a little bit more digestible. Have you ever lied? Yes. In an attempt to assure someone that you can be trusted. <laughs> Have you ever lied in an attempt to assure someone that you can be trusted? Uh, another way to say it. Have you ever compromised your integrity to protect your reputation as someone who has integrity? And the answer probably is yes. Then it doesn't feel good to admit it. I'm with you, but I would rather live in the truth than live in to the false, fakey feel-goods. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it just be nice to be real today? Another way of phrasing it, and you have. By the way, I know you have. And maybe this wasn't you exactly, but I'm sure you have a situation that was similar uh, to this, probably with your parents, if they were involved in your life, and if they weren't, I'm sure this applies to somebody that you've respected. But maybe, maybe when you were 16, you finally 
got to take the car out. And I don't know what the car situation was with your parents, but I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so a boat, um, like a very large vehicle that was like good for everybody else. And my grandma's old car, which was in pristine condition when I received it and not pristine conditions when moving it on, okay? Um, I used to love garbage cans that people would leave out in the street and go, bam, that's a terrible example. Just, okay, but mom or dad would say to you, here are the keys to the car. You are allowed to drive yourself to school today. Then you are allowed to drive yourself home from school. That is all you're allowed to do with the car. You may go to school, and then you may go home. And then perhaps, not this exact scenario for you, maybe not, but maybe something similar. You were at school, and your friend said to you, wouldn't it be cool to go out for lunch today? That was lunch, one of the predetermined allowed destinations from mom or dad? No. Do your friends want you to take them out? Yes. Do you want to look good to your friends? Probably. Why? Uh, I don't know. Human beings, okay? And teenagers. Now, I'm not saying teenagers are stupid. I'm just saying that I was a teenager and I represented the stupid brand well, Okay. <laughs> And perhaps there was a scenario, and this is not exactly to me, I actually skipped school. I waited for the service that Anna wasn't in, my oldest, uh, to tell that part of the story. But the question may have arisen from said parents when you came home. Did you drive to school today? Yes. And you came home? Yes. How was lunch? Fine. Which isn't an exact lie. Okay? Lunch was fine. Good lunch. Oh, yeah? Did you enjoy it today? Yes, I did enjoy lunch because technically you did. But you know the truth of the matter is you didn't do, and because mom didn't ask you the exact right questions, you technically didn't lie. Has anybody never technically lied but were fully full of crap? Because that was your situation. I'm sorry for using a Christian swear, but hey man, if we're making the mess, like, let's just call it what it is, a bunch of junk, right? Have you ever technically not told a lie? Because technically, you weren't being honest either. Another way to ask that first question, have you ever compromised your integrity to protect your reputation as someone who has integrity? Isn't that a hot mess? Isn't it wild that at one point, we have all at least acted worse by lying than what our original sin was. Isn't that amazing? And the original sin that people would find out about you isn't as bad as being caught in the lie. Isn't it crazy how we do that? But we absolutely do. And maybe you're looking for any reason right now for this not to apply to you. I am so sorry. But if there was like a red laser in heaven, no, I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> it applies to all of us at some level where you make choices. And maybe you're making the right ones and, and maybe not. In 1998, the New York Times put out a study of something that they had found about the Titanic. I don't think, I don't think that I need to like break down the story of the Titanic. I'm pretty sure most of us know the story. But to recap, very big boat. We built it. It sank. 
immediately. Like as soon as it got tested on the waters, it went down. And what they did, so this is from the New York Times article. Now, after years of analysis and any number of false leads, experts say that they have preliminary evidence suggesting that the Titanic, the biggest ship of her day, a dream of luxury come to life, may have been done in. And I know you're like, dude, there was an iceberg. Yes, you know it was built to go through Atlantic where icebergs live. Why did it get taken out so quickly? may have been done in by structural weakness in some of her smallest and least glamorous parts, the rivets. Two wrought iron rivets from the Titanic's hull were recently hauled up from the depths for scientific analysis, and they were, be found, they were found to be riddled with unusually high concentrations of slag, making them brittle and prone to fracture. You see, what had happened is the Titanic needed about 3 million rivets to put it together. And if you want to spend money on looking impressive, you need to tap into that resource somewhere. And one of the least impressive things that you can put on a ship or anything, I may suggest, is a rivet. So they started cutting corners. And they started adding a little bit more slag to what was supposed to be steel. And the iron to hold the steel together, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And pressure eventually hit it. An author and pastor named Judd Wilhite put it this way, the Titanic sank because of three million faulty rivets that held the steel to the ship's hull. And apparently during the manufacturing of these rivets, the plan, the plant cut a few corners and used substandard iron to save a few bucks. The force of the collision with the iceberg created immense pressure on the rivets, which caused them to catastrophically fall. Thus, the steel plating on the ship's hull catapulted off the frame, allowing the freezing waters of the Atlantic to rush inside the doomed ship. We must realize life is about the rivets, the little details, the little decisions. And we must acknowledge that whether we are cutting corners and identify where we are vulnerable, because when the pressure comes, we will be able to stand the force or will our hull be compromised. I actually have a picture of the rivets right here. You can just see it snapped off. You know, your life and whether or not you will hold up to the integrity and the pressure, and I'm going to say this about a hundred times this morning, the pressure is coming. It will hold up based on the integrity of your life. I heard a speaker say this at the Global Leadership Summit that we just hosted, and he said, you know, we're born looking like our daddies but we die looking like our decisions. And that has just been working on me. You are born looking like, you know, what you were supplied with, but you will die looking like your decisions. A verse that's really been messing with me a lot, I, really, it was a, a change in life, and it kind of just came back. It wasn't a part of my, like, regular reading, but remember this out of Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus said this, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. It's integrity. And I believe that your integrity will determine your future. Your integrity will determine your future. Not just your opportunities, not the lot in life that maybe you feel like was dealt to you as if our God is random. I don't believe that that's possible because somebody who says, let there be light, doesn't just kind of leave things to chance. And that certainly would not be called love. 
oh my goodness. When it comes for you, your decisions that you've made in secret that you never thought would be found out are waiting for you. You know, when I was a, 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 I was a youth pastor for a few years, and I was a youth pastor and a worship pastor at a, this great little church called North Point in Warren, Michigan. They're called Renewal now. And when I served there, that's a lot. That's a lot to do both, uh, to have to be a musician and then a worship leader and a pastor and then with our youth as well and our, our kids in that youth group. Man, they needed a lot of help, and it was a ton of work. But as I would walk into the building, there was this one little patch of area where there were plants, and there were a couple of weeds there. And I told myself, one day I looked at the weeds and I kept noticing them. And I don't know if I said this out loud, but I definitely thought, I can't do everything here. And I let that weed continue to grow. And that ugly little prickly thing was just waiting for me every day. And I thought, that's somebody else's problem. I can't do everything. And I'm not, I just kind of like, that's, that's the farthest I go. I'm not pulling that weed. I can't do everything around here. And I like justified it in my own brain. Like I was starting to do the mental exercise of, wow, I am above weeds. Let someone else start pulling their weight around there. You ever have a somebody else needs to pull their weight around here kind of internal speech? Ooh, I was in full force. My goodness, you would think that I was older than 21 with all the dignity that I was giving. But I was also stupid at the age of 21. Now, almost 40. Got my, no, still very dumb many times. But here, here I am, and I was just walking by, and like it didn't happen. And I like later on in life, faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. And I realized, why would God trust me if I can't even pull a weed with more, more ministry to do? And, and, and here's what ended up happening that really, really messed with me. I've heard two different stories about that pastor I mentioned earlier, Andy Stanley. They were walking around his church, also called North Point, much bigger, okay, and he's walking around, mega church pastor, can do whatever he wants. He's got people for all the things. His staff is almost the size of our church, okay? And two stories, and one of them was from Pastor Scott. When they would see Andy Stanley walking around in their church, they told me stories about how that dude would pick up garbage in the church lobby and throw it away. Brother, don't delegate. Delegate, I say. I'm going to delegate. No, pick up the garbage. Another story that I heard recently was about orientation at Disney World. There were about 300 new people coming in for the season, and they were getting trained. And they begin to tell them about the culture of Disney, and this is how you do your job here, and yada, yada. They start saying, everybody from the janitorial team, everybody from new janitorial, would you stand up? Would you stand up? And about half a dozen to a dozen people started standing up. And the person who was speaking said, correction, every person in this room, including me, stand up. You are on the janitorial team. Another interview was happening with one of the Disney Park executives. And they said, how many people, their park is so magnificently clean, it's incredible. It's almost magic. Hello. And how, how, like how, many, how many janitors do you have on staff? And he said, 65,000. How many people work for Disney World? 65,000. And that includes the executives. When you realize that life is about doing the right thing, Regardless, your lot in life is not the definer of it. Let me define integrity a little bit. I know I have to go back on this one. I, I want to give us a, a working definition. Integrity is the will. Integrity is the will or the courage to do the right and noble thing just because it's the right and noble thing, regardless of the consequences. It's the will or the courage to do the right and noble thing just because it's the right and noble thing, 
regardless of the consequences. Now, in Proverbs 11.3, I'm going to give you the first half of the verse, and then I'm going to give you the second half of the verse later. Proverbs 11.3, a proverb is a saying that is true, and it says this, the integrity of the upright will guide them. Now, what is he talking about upright? The literal word, and leave that verse up there for a minute. The, the literal Hebrew word that was used here, meaning upright, does mean posture, okay? It means someone whose shoulders are square, head, back is straight, and they are looking forward and able to see it. The upright person. See, a person who is guided by integrity realizes that tomorrow is coming. You have to make decisions to see tomorrow. Now, what's the opposite of an upright person? Now, this is, this is clear, right? A simple, a simple illustration. It's somebody who has posture, probably like me, IRL, okay? Where you're hunched forward and your eyes are down and all I can see is today. The upright are guided by it. The other is looking down. So I would suggest it this way. Your posture will determine your future, your posture. And here's what I know. If I'm quick to abandon my integrity, and if you are quick to abandon your integrity, my question is, what guides you? If integrity guides the upright, what is guiding you? If we're quick to throw it away? Well, then probably you and I would be more concerned with looking good than actually being good. Now, we, we know that's not right. We, we absolutely know that. Jesus talked about that constantly. He would talk about, you know, what's on the inside of the cup versus what's on the outside of the cup. He would talk about this idea of integrity. But if you're more concerned with looking good than actually being good, can I just tell you, when the iceberg comes and the pressure comes, that will compromise whether or not you make it to where you ultimately hope to get to. And it's coming for you. I mean, what do you think of people like this? People who are more concerned with looking good than being good. You're probably not like a huge fan, right? I mean, I know none of us want to be judgmental, so okay, good. But, like, honestly, just, you know, keep it real. Just between you, me, and the, and the chairs, okay? Like, we're not like crazy about those people, right? In fact, any person that you have ever admired is probably not somebody who just cared about what people thought of them, is it? No. The people that we admired most, the other thing that I would be able to tell you about that person that you admired is they probably weren't perfect, and you knew it, and they knew it, and it was out in the open. And you kind of, knowing their fallibility, actually respected them more for it. Yet for us, we are terrified that we might look bad, so we do a worse thing to cover it up. Sometimes we're willing to be bad to keep from looking bad, but when we're concerned about our reputations more than our integrity, we eventually will damage both. Integrity takes the long view. Another thing about integrity is integrity is like a muscle. Like you've, you've got to work it. You remember, if you were here a few months ago, I talked about that there's a difference between trying and training. Do you remember that? So the idea of training is if it's like a muscle, the training is the practice of integrity because it demands honesty, not just with others, but with yourself. 
What I find most common is our voracious ability to lie and deceive ourselves before we try it on others. You self-deceive before you start deceiving. And we're looking for a narrative that says, I had the right to do it. I was forced to do it. I did it because my parents did it and I was shown it. We look for a narrative with the least amount of responsibility. This isn't just about lying, by the way. It's connected to everything that we do because we're acting out of our character. I mean, look at generosity. That's one of our values that's on the big fancy wall out there is that we are going to lead with generosity. I'll be so generous when I have more money. Well, do you remember what it said in Luke? Faithful with little, faithful with much, deceives with a little, will be deceitful. Like, whoa, that starts turning around. I was talking to somebody, we were kind of playing around with this and he was criticizing somebody who lives in the Detroit area and is a billionaire, okay? And, like, if you know me personally, like, if you know anything about my family, like, there's a short list of billionaires that I talk about frequently, okay? And so this guy, and they were, like, just kind of, they were kind of dunking on him, you know, saying, like, oh, like, this guy, you know, he, he could change somebody's whole world with one check. Like, he just just saved somebody's life with one check. He could go, he, he could pay for the house of every person in this room and be fine. Like, really criticizing is, and I, and I asked him, I was like, hey, dude, just, Quick question, quick question. What do you think is the average income for a human being on planet Earth? Because the answer is less than $1 per day. $1 per day the average person on planet Earth right now is making. With a $31 check, you could help somebody who is desperately trying to provide for their family, and you could put them a month ahead. For a couple hundred dollars, you could radically change their life. Are you doing that right now? Well, what? No? And we kinda, he kind of rolled his eyes at me, which I thought was adorable. Because I bet the billionaire would roll his eyes at him. But it wouldn't stop him from judging. Integrity is a heck of a thing, because it doesn't care who is more liked. It just knows what's true. But I digress. We could fix it. I would just say that if you haven't found a way to be generous now, you won't be generous then either because you'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough, right? Like, I'm just curious, for those of you who have owned multiple homes, do the houses keep getting smaller and smaller so you can get more and more generous? Mine doesn't. My houses are making babies. They're getting so big. Like, I, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, that, I'm an American, okay? And I get caught up into it, and I feel really convicted about it, and I hope to do absolutely nothing about it integrity, right? I'm just telling you, like, I don't want to hear that. Like, when Pastor Scott is preaching, literally, I am trying to go, like, it's not about me. He's not talking about me. I am talking to you. I'm talking to me right now. It stinks. We don't want to have it, okay? But let me tell you this. That's exactly how things work, and it's such a revealing question to to just stop, because here's the deal. The health of your relationships and even the respect of your children is contingent on your integrity, not on your infallibility. If I had a microphone that I could afford to drop, I would drop the mic. It's not based on how good you are. We want to look good, but why would we worship looking good more than we could be humble enough to just say, oh, I don't have it together. Now, that's not the end of the story. I want to go to Proverbs 11.3 and keep moving a bit here for you. Which, Which translation? Put this up there. The integrity of the upright will guide them. But the perversity, thank you, of the treacherous will destroy them. Isn't it interesting how the opposite of the upright 
is called being treacherous? Oh, rude. That hurts my feelings. I'm not that bad, Tom. I'm not that bad. Let me just tell you, the iceberg that's coming isn't looking about whether or not you're a good guy or a kind person or generally good. It's just about the integrity of your decisions. It'll find out. Another translation says it this way, that the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. It's coming for you. The, their future is assured in destruction. I want to keep rolling. I could probably do this for another two hours. But we would all hate it. So what happens? Well, first, you mess up. And you're going to, because you are a human being, and you're not nailing it right now 24-7. No one expects that from you, okay? But then you got to own up. And then you got to clean up. Now, too often, too often, too often, right? What preachers will do is they will say, just confess it, and then we end the story. But what really has to happen is the same thing that happened. We love to tell the story of the adulterous woman. Now, she was a woman who was caught in adultery. It's so interesting to me that it's not the adulterous woman and the dude. Like, he's kind of left out of the story. A woman was being shamed in public because they were easy pickings back then. Women, you have it easy now, right? Like, no, she was absolutely shamed. She was set up and brought in front of Jesus by these people who just think, who just think, ha-ha, it's about what she was caught doing. And Jesus is so sly, and he says really simply, yeah, any of you who is without the first sin, you cast the first stone. Calls him out, and we love that story. And she is comforted and moves away. And we kind of just kind of like through the end of the story. But Jesus says something really crucial before ending this story. He says to her, has anyone, has anyone accused you? No one, Lord, then go and sin no more. Jesus requires change. Oh, now we love talking about grace. Oh my gosh, grace is such a good topic. Oh, I wish I was preaching on grace today because we could just feel good and hug and some of you would cry and then I would get so many hugs afterwards instead of what I got after the last service. Good day, Tom. Like it was so, <laughs> I was like, well, I wasn't trying to make friends today. So <laughs> literally happened. Uh, <laughs> Go and sin no more. You know, the word repent means about face, means, okay, I see you, I forgive you, turn around. And what we know about her is she does, and she becomes a leader in the local church. He puts her in charge of men, from our understanding. And there's a reason that from the, guy, the guys who were bragging about who's going to be at the right hand of Jesus, Jesus, who's going to be the right hand? It's going to be me or is it going to be my brother? It's a reason that, that the resurrection was first heralded by women. Because these are the ladies who knew what it was to be caught and then to tell the truth, and their integrity would not be in question. There's a reason. There's a reason. We missed our opportunity. Should have been John. Should have been Peter. His best friends. But the people with the most integrity who didn't run away when the soldiers came are the ones who got to tell the world, why do you look for the living among the dead? It's time to clean up. So what do you got to do? 
and, and listen, I know I talked a lot about healthy relationships, so let me just talk to single folks for a second. You're hoping to get married someday. Uh, maybe you're dating somebody who is absolutely wonderful. Let me just say this to you. When you catch yourself saying things like, once I get married, okay, married people, <laughs> whoa, right? <laughs> like that's going to change. It's not going to change. You know why? Because you are still going to get married and you're going to walk in. The ring you put on isn't magical, Frodo. It's not going to fix it for you, okay? Like when you get married, you are still bringing in all of your mess. And if I'm putting pressure on my wife to fix me, what a gross marriage. I'm looking for somebody to be one with. I'm not looking for someone to be codependent with. And so many marriages, they get hurt because, oh, and then I put the pressure on that I will fix somebody else. I don't want someone I got to fix. I want to fix, I want to be with somebody that I'm in love with and loves me and knows me and also will not tolerate lies. If I want to marry an honest person, I better be an honest person worthy of it. Not an infallible person. They are not the same at all. If you are not faithful now to your future spouse, what makes you think that a ceremony is going to make you faithful then? Single person, your life of integrity, you need to right now figure out how you're not going on those websites. You need to figure out right now how you're going to stop checking out that girl at church or at the office or wherever you work. She is not that cute. She is not worth ruining your marriage over or your future marriage. If you want to have a strong marriage, be a strong husband now. And if you want to be a strong wife, be a strong one now. Nothing magical happens. Now all you just have is accountability. That's all that's coming from you. That was sermon number four. I want to keep on moving here. Listen, <laughs> Satan's other title, the devil, like he is the father of lies. And when we lie, we have made a satanic move. And maybe you thought that satanic things were just the things you saw in movies involving big red horns and dead goats everywhere. Nope. It's the selfish and vile thing of lying. And when you mess up, fess up and be done with it. Go and sin no more. I offer you two stories out of American history that have really moved on me so we can take a deep breath together. Whew, he's not going to talk to me for a second. The first is Benjamin Franklin. You've also heard of this guy. Glasses, also a fat guy. Next guy is fat too, which there's hope, okay? And, and this is what he would say. He was a very honest person. He, in some ways, he was a man of integrity. He said he would start his day with this, what good shall I do this day? And as he ended the day, he would end it by asking himself, what good have I done that day? He was honest with himself. It wasn't just, I had a bad day, X, Y, and Z. I met terrible people. I mean, he met people, so of course he had an excuse. But these were just simple questions that hold up a mirror of what we decide to do, who we are, and what we're actually going to do about it. But my favorite person in American history is John Adams. John Adams, not cool. Nothing cool about this guy. Could not rap anywhere near as good as Hamilton could. But he was great. I love this guy. And he wasn't really interesting. And something happened in the year 1770. You've probably heard of it. It's called the Boston Massacre. And in the Boston Massacre, there was tension rising between the people of the colonies and the British rulers at the time. Now, we're Americans. British people, bad. Nailed it, okay? If you want to get our first thing, you know, give me liberty or give me death was screamed from our people. Don't tread on me was screamed and there was tension. And to be an American, you had to be anti-British. 
And something happened. Now, if people want to talk about, like, hey, our country and, you know, the mob and it's making our country look bad, baby, we were founded in the midst of drama, okay? So it's okay. This is totally American for us to get mad and start hollering about things. Now, in the Boston Massacre, what had happened, as far as the public knew, is that British soldiers opened fire into peaceful protesters, and there was a picture painted on it by a guy named Paul Revere. Paul never got to be President Revere. This is the picture that he made. Now look at this picture. It's just, there's even a puppy. Guys, even the puppy saw gunfire. First fake news was one of our founding fathers. Isn't that awesome? Look at this. That is evil. And this was passed around. And John Adams, a local respected lawyer, was there. We didn't have a constitution helping us yet. We just had the integrity of good men who would step forward. And John Adams ends up representing some of the British soldiers. And I won't break down category by category, but they weren't as evil. What had happened is that somebody, and I know Americans, were good guys. We would never throw rocks at people hidden inside snowballs. That's exactly what happened. Some of those men were attacked, and then the soldiers thought that somebody yelled fire, and they did fire into the crowd. The truth was complicated. There wasn't a clear good guy and bad guy. In fact, I have a friend who would say this to me. We have a mutual friend who would say this to me frequently. For every difficult problem, there's a simple solution. That's probably wrong. Okay? And that's what it was. It was a difficult, difficult problem that happened. And John Adams, I'm representing these guys, and he says this quote. Check out this quote because this, this, I, just, I just love this from John Adams saying it. Facts are stubborn things. And whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. Now, passionately, he too wanted freedom. And in 1776, when John Adams forwarded and was a part of saying to the country, it is time to declare independence, the people who were not caught up in the passions of the day but we're looking for what do we actually need to do. When John Adams said it's time, the nation raised up because he had proven to be a man of integrity. The iceberg came, and you and I are worshiping in freedom today because of people like that, not people like Paul Revere who got to ride a horse and say things later. This man got to lead and got to help write our Constitution and eventually became our second president. And before his good buddy Jefferson and Hamilton started making all kinds of drama. The uncool Elmer Fudd, very, very quiet, was the guy we needed to lead us because we knew we could trust him. He was ready when the pressure came. Now, Moses, when he was trying to warn his people in the Old Testament, and Deuteronomy is a wild book, okay? I mean, literally, Moses is telling these people how to not kill each other by way of wh what to do with their droppings, okay? There's a whole section of a chapter and just like, and when you camp, here's what to do with your... Okay, so he's teaching them how to be good people, okay? And in it, he says this. He says, your sins will find you out. He's trying to teach them to be a nation of integrity. I warn you the same. We will find out. And someday, we may find out when you are no longer living and with us. And you will not be able to defend your actions or give, oh, if you just had the right context, then you would understand my side. If your side is the truth, you've got nothing, nothing to worry about. 
The pressure is coming, and your integrity today will determine whether you sink or make it to the destination that we hope to see you in someday. Own it, confront it, and lie no more. And just like the righteous, may you stand tall. Because we'll find out. We'll find out. Your kids will find out. And we do not worship your infallibility. Now, if we were friends, you would hear me say this many times. This is a, a famous quote, and it says, a true friend stabs you in the front. I trust the people who aren't afraid to let me feel a little pain if it's the truth. Now, hopefully with some kindness when they say it, but we are so adverse to shame that we also toss out the experience of conviction. Let me just say, shame tries to shut you down. Conviction tries to show you how you can be free in your life. Take ownership of it. It's time. Stand tall. Jesus, we come to you in your great name. God, you've called us to a place of honesty and to a place of integrity. May you put us in the lives of people that we can trust. We can trust the people who have stabbed us before if we're trying to find out who, who are the ones that we entrusted with. May we no longer place our hardships on the burdens of others to fix. May we start facing them and inviting them into our story. We love you, Jesus. We worship you.